Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. We're in this series on prayer. Prayer is a place that people seem to struggle in their relationship with God. And we're in this series called A God Who Listens. And it's a part of our 40 Days of Prayer campaign, which we are now in the sixth day of. How many of you downloaded the app or you're following along with the news, the email? Yeah. Uh, Facebook. We've got a pretty big goal for engagement on that for our church, and I think we're meeting that. I don't really have a way to measure that, a good way anyway, but we just based on what numbers we can figure out from digital things, we think that that's going pretty well. And um, it doesn't take long. You can make it take as long as you want. If you want to do that for an hour and just meditate and draw that out, you can. But it's designed to be something that you can do in five or ten minutes, just a place to start with God in the morning, just just take a few brief minutes, and I'm hoping that what happens is you develop a habit. You just develop a small habit to, to start your day with the Lord before you get too involved in things. Uh, and, and of course, the, uh, the whole 40 days of prayer thing is a part of our 40-year celebration of us as a church turning 40, celebrate 40. And so we have started this series called A God Who Listens. The theme verse for the whole series comes out of Ephesians chapter 6 and it starts like this pray in the spirit in every situation now a prayer isn't just a church thing it's not just an everyday thing or an every minute thing prayer is something that can you know it should permeate our life I, I've told you before if you've gone to church here for a long time you've heard me talk about my mother my mother is a woman of God and I am who I am because really of my mother. Um, my dad was a truck driver and was kind of like what you'd expect a truck driver to be like, except he dressed up to drive a truck, which was always funny. He wore wingtip shoes and he's always snappy dresser and walked out, looked like a businessman going to drive his truck. But mom was the one who raised us while dad was on the road. And my mom is the one that, that took us to church, right? She didn't send us to church she took us to church. I sat with my mother on the second row of our church right over here every Sunday, listened to L.D. Campbell every Sunday. She took faithful notes. She had one of those big Bibles. She can't see well. She had, she had a big, large edition print Bible, and she would take notes. Kind of like some of you, if L.D. preached a sermon, like if he preached the same sermon within 10 years, my mother knew it. Um, you have done that to me. Like some of you take notes, and, and if I preach the same sermon within 10 years, you walk up and you go, uh-huh. You were cheating today, weren't you? That's kind of my mom. She had this big Bible, and when I was, she would wake us up in the morning. She would wake, there was four of us. She, would, she had lived in a bi-level house. She would come upstairs, and she would wake all of the kids up and make sure that we were awake, because, you know, that's part of it is make sure they don't lay back down. She would wake us up and then she would go back downstairs and she would sit in her prayer chair. There was a chair in the, 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 the nice living room, the one you're not allowed to play in, the one that nobody ever sat in, you know that one? She had a chair in that room. She had a table on the side. She had this great big huge Bible with all these notes in it, all the, <clears throat> the outlines from the, the pastor's sermon. <clears throat> she had a, a notebook where she was taking notes on sermons, where she was taking notes on what she'd read in her Bible, and, and there was a place there, she had a prayer list, and I, you know, there were we all knew as we came down the steps, 
Like I, I remember as a seven, eight, nine, ten year old boy coming down the steps and seeing my mother sitting in that chair praying or reading her Bible many times, head down in prayer. And I knew, we all knew, don't bother her. Don't ask her where your socks are. Figure it out. Find your socks, right? She's busy. That's important. And we don't mess with her when she's in that chair. We all understood how important that was. And many times I've walked down the steps and that's the legacy that my mother has left for me. And I'm convinced that, that I am where I am today because I have a mother who, was, who took prayer that seriously and others in my life as well. But there were times like later in the day or I would come home from school or just different times where I, no, no one would be around and it would just be quiet in that room and I would go in there and I would sit in mom's prayer chair and just kind of take it in from her vantage point. And I would take her Bible and hold it in my lap and I just, it just looked like something beyond me, right? Like I would never be able to get that deep or, you know, I didn't even understand. Like why, why I mean, this is covered with notes. What's going on? I would pick up her notebook and I would see what she was praying for. And there would be this moment where I would come down and I would find my name and see that she'd been praying for me. You understand what that says to an eight-year-old boy? 10, 12, 15, 17? To know that you have somebody who prays for you, prays over you, lifts you up. And it just, it spoke to me. And I just wonder how many, no, my dad wasn't going to do that. My dad, if you knew how my dad was raised, he was not raised like that. My mother's mother was a woman of God, raised my mother to be a woman of God, who raised me to be a man of God. But my dad didn't, it wasn't the one that would do that. Consequently, I have a really strong relationship with my mother. I have a good relationship with dad, but it's, it's different with mom because there's a spiritual connection there. But I'm just asking a question, those of you who are men who have kids in your house, what would it look like if they saw you pray for them and they knew, my daddy lifts my name to his daddy. My daddy is praying for me. What would it be like for the kids in your house to know that you are praying for them, that they saw their name on a prayer list, that they saw you living out, this is what men of God do. This is what women of God do. And so you don't have to pray long prayers. They don't have to be long. They can be one sentence prayers. My best praying isn't when I'm talking to God, believe it or not. That's not my best praying. My best praying is when God is talking to me. My best praying is not when I'm asking God questions. My best praying is when God starts asking me questions. Like I'll be praying, God, they ticked me off and it makes me mad and, you know, they should, ask, they should ask me to forgive them. And God's like, oh, really? Well, Brett, let me ask you a question. Why are you so upset about that? Why, why do you expect that? What makes you think you're so special that you deserve that? Hey, why don't we talk about where you've hurt somebody? What? Yeah, why don't we talk about how you need to take the the plank out of your own eye before you start focusing on the speck in someone else's eye. Brett, let's talk about you. How about you? Let's talk about your anger. Let's talk about your pride. Well, God, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about them. I know. I know. And we're not going to talk about them. I'm doing a work in them. They're none of your business. 
I'm talking to you. Oh, that's my best praying. That's when God comes along and corrects me. And I've got so many questions for God, but God's got a lot more questions for me. Last week, I talked about the idea of pray first. Pray first. Before you send your kids off to school, pray first. Before you answer the email, pray first. Before you respond to that snarky comment from your spouse, pray first. How many arguments could you have avoided if when they mouthed off and said something that they really didn't mean, and maybe you took it the wrong way, if you had just said, Lord, (laughs) don't let me say what I'm thinking right now. I'm just going to give this to you. Help me answer that in love and grace and forgiveness. How many arguments could you have saved? In fact, I heard a sermon the other day, and you'll probably hear this in a sermon coming up, because I'm going to preach that rascal. But he was talking about how when people come to him for counseling, he, he, he makes them pray for each other. He said they don't want to do it. But he said it's the best thing that they can do. So pray first. Last week I left you with this thought, prayer should be the first response, not our last resort. That's really the truth. To finish that verse in Ephesians, pray in the Spirit in every situation. Use every kind of prayer request there is. And somebody's thinking, well, I didn't know there were all these different ways to pray. Brett, you're talking about patterns and you're talking about these different ways to pray. This series is about giving you some patterns, some, some different and new ways to consider praying through things. Because I think some people think, well, all I do is just sit down and, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. And again, there's, it's okay for you to thank God for the day, but God already knows that we're thankful for the day. Be creative. Talk to God like you would talk to your best friend, Right? You don't talk to your best friend about the same old stuff all the time. It's constantly different and new. That's why they're your best friend. And so, you know, how can you make prayer different and new? Last week we looked at the prayer of the tabernacle where there were seven stations and each station you kind of pray for something different. If you didn't hear that message, go back and listen to it online because it's really good. That type of prayer has revolutionized my praying. Now, just understand what that statement is saying, because I've been a Christian most of my life, over almost almost 50 years. I've been a Christian almost 50 years. I've been praying longer than that. And and the tabernacle prayer revolutionized my prayer life. It It has been that impactful for me. So last week I gave you the tabernacle prayer kind of as a guide. Today's is found in 1 Chronicles and uh, let me just tell you, First Chronicles is kind of hard to read, okay? Because um, there's really nothing more in there than a genealogy. And, and a genealogy is really nothing more than this one begat that one, this one begat that one, that one begat this 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 one, chapter 2. That one begat this. I mean, it just goes on and on. And all it is is just people having babies, right? Like they name this one, this one, and you're like, come on. I mean... Why am I reading this? But as you read through 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles is one of those books that makes you happy that you're, you, there are other books in the Bible, right? Like book with other stories and things. Um, people say to, they'll say to me, Brett, I'm going to start reading the Bible. Where should I start? And I'm like, well, you can start in Genesis, but I'm just telling you, eventually that, that's fun at the beginning, but then you're going to hit books like 1 Chronicles, and it's like, what? So 
But in the middle of 1 Chronicles, in the middle of these 600 names, the Bible presses pause on the genealogy and all of the begats, and he gives somebody an honorable mention. It stops down, and it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So the name Jabez means pain. Now, can you imagine naming your child pain? And you're introducing your kids, you know, this is Susie, and this is Sharon, and this is David, and this pain right here is who this is, right? I mean, can you imagine being pain? How you doing? You know, Johnny Cash talked about the boy named Sue. My name's pain. You know, I mean, can you just imagine going through your life like that? And we don't know why she named him that. It could have been that that childbirth was really painful or she, she had a tough pregnancy or she, there were some painful things going on around her pregnancy, maybe in her family. We don't know. Not sure. But he's going to grow up with this name, pain. All of us have had to live down some kind of name or another. There's some name or somebody has tried to label you with something. For some, it's divorce. For some, it's bankruptcy. For others, it might be depression There is a name that wants to define you. And this poor guy would say, I get it. My name, the thing that defined me was pain. And so Jabez, pain, cried out to the God of Israel. Now, if your name is pain, and pain cries out to God, wouldn't you think that pain would want to talk about his pain? A a lot of us, when we talk to God, we want to talk to him about our past, You know, we want to talk to him about our problems. And and I'm not suggesting that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that there might be something that's better than that. Maybe you could look forward. Because here, pain cries out to the God of Israel, but it's really not about his pain. He cries out to God about God's promise. And now Jabez is getting ready to pray. Pain is getting ready to pray. And he, and he, he, he really doesn't talk a whole lot about his own pain. Look at verse 10. Oh, that you would bless me. Some translations translate that, bless me indeed, which is the way that's translated, you would put like five exclamation marks behind it, right? Like, bless me, bam, 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 bam. Or, you know, if if teenagers are texting these days, it would be like five 100s, 100, 100, 100, 100, right? But like, it's, it's, it's emphasized, it's a big deal. Give me stuff, bless me, give me stuff, I don't have. God, give me things. I know you have more for me. And I'm asking you to give that to me. The whole verse is like this, and there's four parts to it, and we're going to break this this part, this thing I'm going to read to you apart into four parts this morning. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm. And he says, you know, I know that if I'll keep my focus on those promises, I will be free from pain. And then it goes on to say, God granted his request. It's as if God says, oh, is that how you're going to pray? Because if that's how you're going to pray, I'll grant your request. Now, there are four phrases I want to show you out of what I just read this morning. First one is this, oh, that you would bless me. That word bless is the word barach. Barach. It's, it's, It's God's greatness. It's that God's greatness would stoop down into my life and he would put something in there that wasn't there before. So you're, the, the first line there is pray for blessing. That's what we're doing. We're praying 
for blessing. Ask God that the things he has available to him, that he would make those available to you. And I'm not talking about financial blessing necessarily. I mean, there's nothing wrong with you praying to that end, but it just strikes me that we, that's a big deal to us, right? Like we pray a lot for financial blessing. And again, nothing wrong with that, but I think it's short-sighted. I think that there are other things, maybe even better things that you could be praying for other than materialistic things. God wants to grant you health. God wants to grant you ideas. God wants to grant you favor. He wants you to have it. Scripture says that he is willing to stoop down to make you great. (laughs) I always crack up when somebody looks at me or is talking to me. Like, it's easy. You can come in here and Brett preaches and this doesn't happen very often, so I, I, I hesitate to not even talk about this, but I, I just think it'll help. Once in a while, I'll talk to somebody, and they think I'm special, and it just makes me laugh, because I know I'm not special, and they'll say, you know, Brett, you just, you're able to speak in front of people, and when you talk, I get inspired, and you show me things, and you teach me things, and Brett, you're just special, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really not special. I'm from Kentucky, okay? Um, not Connecticut, not some highfalutin place. I'm from Kentucky. When they come out with the list of like the states and where they rank in certain things, my state is usually in the bottom half, not in the top half. We're not last. There's a couple of states I'm thankful for. I will not name them by name, but there are some states I'm like, well, at least we're not them, okay? But I come from Kentucky, and there's nothing wrong with being from Kentucky. I'm proud of that, but there's nothing dynamic about me. There's, there's nothing, I've told you how small I was as a boy. I mean, I'm, I'm in the ninth grade. I'm four feet, 11 inches tall. I weigh 88 pounds. It was nothing for bigger kids. The, the guys, you know, when there's a little kid around and he's your age, bigger kids just pick on him, right? And so it was nothing for me to be walking down the hallway at school and one of the bigger kids just hit me in the shoulder. Well, usually when that happened, I ended up in the lockers like, you know, um, in, in, in youth group, we had football players in youth group, and it was, they would impress the girls, the really pretty girls in youth group, hey, let's throw Brett across the youth room. And so I'm kind of used, I, growing up, that's, you know, it was, it, that was common. Now I had a great family, I grew up in a great home, I had parents that loved me, but I'm no Rhodes scholar. I, I'm not you know, I wasn't good in school. I doubt there was a single principal I had who knew my name. Now, that's good and that's bad. The good part is I wasn't a troublemaker. But the bad part is I did not distinguish myself. Some of you who are teachers, you have certain kids that you will remember for years because they distinguished themselves. They were so good. They were so smart. They were so well-behaved. You're like, man, I wish I had 30 of those in every class. Maybe not 30. I don't know, we're doing 30 in a class? Julie Satlip is saying not 30. How many, 15? 20, 20, okay. So I wasn't very good in school. I wasn't super popular in school. I wasn't nearly as good looking and athletic and strong as I am now. Hurt my feelings, didn't need to do that. Amen. I'm just telling you, there's nothing special about me. And I'm just like everybody else. I've made bad decisions in my life. I've done stupid things. I've done things, and I'm like, what were you thinking? 
Why would you do that? What's, what's wrong with you? I've had people in my life along the way speak truth and encouragement into me, mentors and pastors who have encouraged me to dream and take a chance and step into something bigger. I've been told that God was and could and would bless my life. And you say, well, Brett, I mean, are you talking about some kind of prosperity thing? Like, is, is, is that where we're going with this? No, not at all. We are not a name it, claim it, um, you know, health and wealth, blab it and grab it kind of church. That's not what Cross Lane is at all. But I do believe that God wants us to have more, but he wants us to have more for a specific reason. That's the catch. He wants us to have more for a specific reason, and that is that he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. That's what blessing is for. God doesn't mind that you have things, but the more is not for us. You know who the more is for? The more is for others. The more is given to you so that you might consider somebody else. God wants us to be a blessing to the world around us. And he's looking around and he's looking for people not just to give to, he's looking for people to give through. Because I I talked about this not long ago. There's two kinds of people. There are reservoirs and there are rivers. The reservoir is going to collect things. Something flows into it, but not much flows out of it. A river, water flows through it. Everything that comes down the river keeps going. It flows through. That's what God has in mind for you and me. Cross Lane is trying to be a river. Cross Lane's trying to be a place where we are a blessing to our community. We're trying to be a generous place. See, that's why I talk to you all the time about being generous. You are probably going to go, a lot of you will go out to eat after church today. And when you do, some little server is going to show up at your table and take care of you and be good to you and get you what you need. And my encouragement to you is tip the dickens out of them. Just tip them like nobody's business. I, want, I would have it so that when, when restaurants saw cross lane people coming, they fought for us, right? Like, I get them because <laughs> they're great tippers, right? I know they're going to be kind to me. I know they're going to be benevolent. I know they're going to be generous. That's what I want us to be as a church. But here's, here's what I know. I know it's human nature for us to drift to selfishness. That's what I know. It's true in my life. It's true in your life. It's true of us as a church. We have people running this church, and the temptation is always to drift to selfishness, to pay more attention to what's going on in here than we do pay attention to what's going on out there. And as Cross Lane is going to be doing anything good for God, it's only going to happen if we care more about what's going on out there than we care about what's happening in here. So stop praying for your needs. God wants you to pray. He wants to give you more than what you need. He wants to bless you so that you can bless the world. Lord, give me more than I need so that I can be a blessing to those around me. So here's the question this morning. Let's just say that he answered that prayer. God, give me more so I can take care of the world around me. What if he answered that? Here's my question. What would you do with more? What would you do with the more that God gave you. God, if you'll bless me, I'm also asking you to enlarge my territory. In other words, God, if I have more, I'll do more. Now, in this prayer, you're praying for blessing in what we just looked at. But you're also, in this prayer, you're praying for influence. 
You're asking for influence. I know my own capacity, and, and I know that in reality, me by myself is not enough. I have asked God, God, stretch me, take me places that are bigger than me. I, about uh, 10 years ago, we were raising money to build all this. And one of the things that we did in, in the process of raising that money was I shot a video. I, I stood probably right about right here when this was just a f grass. And I shot a video, and I, I told you about a prayer that I started praying shortly after I took over as the pastor at Cross Lane. I heard a missionary pray that, that he had prayed this prayer, and when I heard it, I thought, man, I like that. I want to pray that. So for about 20 years now, this is a prayer that I have been praying, and this is the prayer. Lord, help me to make a difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. Think about that. Help me to make a difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. Listen to me. God has a life available to you that is bigger than you. Just let that sink in for just a minute. Some of you don't have more because all your life has just been about you. That's all you've ever thought about is you. But if you could ever realize that there is more, it motivates you. The happiest people I know in life are people who have purpose in their life. Happiest people I've ever met are people with purpose. Um, they see life through a lens that shows them that there's something bigger than them and they're involved in that something bigger. The happiest people I've ever seen, God is usually a part of that something bigger. The happiest people I've ever seen were Christians who were plugged into, my life is totally wrapped up in giving everything I have to God. They understand that there is life beyond them. Sociologists call it transcendent living. Are you living transcendently? We all want to be more successful people, but here's the thing. Successful people don't necessarily have more money. Successful people don't necessarily have less problems. Successful people have clear purpose. They wake up in the morning, they know what they're doing. They know why they're there. They know what God is up to in their life. Paul prayed this prayer in Ephesians. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in this holy people. You say, Brett, inheritance? Well, I mean, what are you talking about? God has an inheritance for me. Yes, your inheritance is people. Your purpose is people. So when you're involved in ministry, and we have people in this room that are, that are involved in ministry. We've got, if you say, one of the things we've got that's about to happen, we have some cameras that are on order. We've ordered some video cameras, and we hope to, there's some equipment coming, if we can ever learn to use it and get proficient with it. We want to be able to film our services and put that online. Instead of me preaching to a camera, we'd like to have people be able to see this, because if you've seen me on video and you've seen this, this is better, right? right? This is better. Yeah. So we're like, we need to put the better on, on line. And so it, eventually we're going to need people to run cameras and do things in the back. And, and so we're going to be looking for people to help us with that. We have people that work with Ryan back in the student ministry. We have people that work with Becky in, in children's ministry, greeters, nursery workers, people that mow, the, whatever it is that you do in terms of ministry, you know, the, the goal of all of that, if you go on a mission trip, the goal of that is not the function 
But the goal of that is the person on the other end of the function. Your purpose is people. God has a purpose for you where you are making a difference in the lives of other people. And one of the things that happens in my life, frequently, is I will put in a full day at the office. Sometimes it's a long day. Sometimes I'm here fairly late in the evening. And then I'll, I'll go home, and it's been a long, full day. I've been on the run, a lot, you know, mentally I've been engaged, and a lot of stuff going through my head. And it'll come bedtime, and I'll, I'll crawl into bed, and I'll lay there in the dark, and my, you know, my body will be tired, and my feet are kind of hurting. And just, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm just tired, you know? But it's a good tired. And I'll lay there, and I'll think to myself, God, this feels so good. I, I, it feels so good to have poured myself out in your service. And I would rather be this kind of tired than I would be tired from cutting wood or playing ball or, or, or something like that. So let me show you in Psalm chapter 2 what I'm talking about. God is talking here and he says, Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. In other words, if you'll start praying to that end, I will give you influence with people. There is a church, there's a large church in Bogota, Colombia. And when they get done with their services, they have an altar call and, and people will respond to that altar call. When they do, they'll take them off to a side room. They'll help them to, to give their life to Jesus. And then they give them two things. They take their picture that's, and it's done in a way that they're going to have an instant picture. You can get it instantly. And, and they give them a Bible. When you open the Bible, in the very first, you know, you, there's usually the cover page, and then there's a, like a page that's got a little heavier stock. On that page is a picture of someone who's preaching to a big, large crowd. So it's a person that, you know, the, the idea is conveying influence there. But what's really cool is that picture where the preacher is, there's some cellophane over his face. And if you turn the page, there's a little pocket. And what they'll do is they'll take the picture that they take of the person and they'll cut out the face and they'll slide it in to that little pocket so that when you open that Bible, that person's face is on the, face, is on the body of the man who's preaching. And the idea there is you now have a purpose. You have a mission. God has something for you to do. You didn't just give your life to Jesus and that's it. No, you wake up every day and you are on mission with your life. God has a purpose for your life and until you find it, you are not going to know the true joy that comes from serving him. You're just not. And you will not be as happy as you could be. I have, I have been praying this week that you would hear that statement. I've been praying that when I said that, something would go off in your head and you would go, oh, I get that. So pray this prayer. Lord, show me your purpose for my life so that I can have a bigger life than my own. So the first part of that is give me blessing. Give me more than I have so that I can be a blessing. Barach. And God, use me to influence others. But God, if you do that, I'm going to be in over my head. So God, when, when God gives you influence, it's going to take you places that are bigger than you. When, you, when God gives you influence, you're going to be put in situations that are bigger than you. And just trust me, 
I understand that. I know what I'm talking about when it comes to this. I am in over my head every day in this job. Every day. God takes me places and has me doing things that are far beyond me, that if I try to do it in my own strength, it's crash and burn. I know that on my own, I am not sufficient for this job. I know that. I don't, I don't need anybody to tell me that. I've had people tell me that, but I don't need them to tell me. I already know, okay? I know that on my own, I'm not sufficient to do these things that God is calling me to do. I know that. I'm nothing without God in my life. But here's the third phrase. God, if you're going to give me influence, then I'm going to need your hand on me. The hand of God meant his power and his presence, which brings me to the third thing we're praying for, which is God's presence. God, I want your presence. God, what you're asking of me is too big for me. I need your hand. We see this in Acts. Acts chapter 11, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And they did that only because the Lord was with them. What I want for Cross Lane, more than I want anything else for Cross Lane, I want his hand on us as a church. That's what I want. Because I know if we don't have that, we have nothing. If we don't have that, we will die. If we don't have God's hand on us as a church, we will mean nothing to our community. And if we mean nothing to our community, why are we even here? See, when you guys are out there singing, I'm, I'm right around the corner. I mean, I'm literally, these people right over here could, might even see me. Um, I'm, I'm just on the other side of the wall, and I'm, I'm letting music wash over me, and I'm listening to lyrics, and I'm singing along, and I'm praying different times. I'm just, I'm saying different kind of prayers. And, and, you might say, well, Brett, what are you praying? I'm praying, God, you got to help me because I want to go out there and I want to deliver this message. And I, I'll know, I know it's a good message, but it's not, it's not going to be any good if it's just me delivering the message. If Brett goes out just on Brett's strength and power and preaches that message, it's going to fall flat. It's not going to have any punch. It's not going to be any good. The only way that it's going to be any good is, God, if you come along and you help me and you speak through me. You say, Brett, how do you know that? Here's what I know. I have walked out of here before and thought, man, this message is really good. God, I don't really, you know, I haven't really said it like this, but I didn't invite God along. And it's kind of like I'm saying, God, I got it. But here's what I know about God. God is perfectly content to say, all right, big boy. Well, let's see how this goes. Well, we all know how that's going to go, right? I'm going to walk out in my own strength, in my own power, and try and deliver this fantastic message, and it's going to fall flat and I'm like, what happened? And God's like, you didn't involve me in that at all. Conversely, there have been times when I've had a message, I thought, well, you know, it's a good message. God, come help me with this. And I get out here and I preach it. And in my estimation, it wasn't very good. Like, I'm just like you. I critique myself with my work like you do your work. And sometimes I preach a sermon and I get done and I'm like, that stunk. That was awful. And I'll get to the back thinking, Nobody got anything out of that. And somebody will walk up in tears. And they'll say, Brett, you, just, you have no idea. You just, you just, it's like you read my emails this week. You spoke right to me. And I'm like, God, seriously? That sermon was awful. And God's like, no. See, Brett, I don't really need you. 
I don't need you. You understand? I can do this without you. I'm letting you participate. I'm letting you participate. That's what I'm talking about. Moses had a prayer that he prayed, and we need to be, get in the habit of praying this prayer because if you're going to do something without the hand of God, good luck with that. It will only be as good as you are. This is, find this in Exodus 33. Then Moses said to him, saying to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? Here's the one thing that you are going to figure out pretty quick if you are a visitor at Cross Lane. You show up and you, you hear me and you look around, you see what's going on, and you're like, okay, something's up here because I've heard him, and he's not that good. Like, this place is pretty cool. It's not him. It's not because of him. So what is it? Is it because the elders are awesome? Or is it because the staff is really good? And here's the answer to the question. None of the above. We, we have great elders. We have a great staff. I love, my st- I love the, the people that I work with. But as good as they are, that's not, what, that's not why Cross Lane is what Cross Lane is. Cross Lane is what Cross Lane is because Cross Lane has been given to God and we have begged God, hey God, come do something in the middle of us. Come do something in spite of us. When I pray with our staff on Tuesday mornings, many, many times at the end of that prayer, what they hear me say is, God, make us better than we actually are. The only way that's possible is if God comes along and helps. To finish up what Moses said to God, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Like he's saying, if, you don't, if you're not with us, what else is going to distinguish us? And then God answers him. I will, do, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Lord, I need you to bless me. I need you to give me more than I need so that I can be a blessing. Lord, help me to live a life that is bigger than me, that's about influence. But I, pr- I pray the prayer, Lord, help me live life bigger than me. I also pray this, Lord, be with me because that to which you have called me is too big. This is how I pray. God, if you don't show up, I'm cooked. If you don't come with me, I can't lead this church. I can't preach sermons. I can't help people. God, I need you to come alongside me because by myself, I am going to fail. Lord, help me to do things for you that are utterly disproportionate to who I am. Now, here's what I can tell you. If you'll actually do this, God goes with you into things that are way too big for you. Here's what I can tell you. All hell is going to break loose and come against you. All hell will break loose and you will come against opposition. I don't mean to scare you, but my name's Brett. I'm going to tell you the truth. And the truth is, when you step into something really big and you've got God with you and he's walking with you into it, and you're like, oh yeah, this is awesome. Well, just hang on because you're about to face some opposition. And that's the fourth part of the prayer. Keep me from harm. Keep me from harm. The fourth part of the prayer is a prayer of protection. You're praying for protection. Every day I'm praying, God, please give me your blessing. Please give me your influence. Please put your hand on me. I want your presence in my life. God, please protect me.
And we need all of these, especially the protection part. You say, Brett, I don't want to talk about the, I don't want to talk about the devil. Well, I, I don't want to give the devil any attention at all. Let me just say this. You're either butting heads with the devil or you're walking with the devil. You're doing one or the other. There is no middle ground. You're either butting heads with him or you're walking with him. But if you're butting heads with the devil, here's what I can tell you. You're going to need protection. Some people right now are thinking, oh, now, Brett, let's, can't we just talk about grace and love? Let's just, can't we just be nice? We don't have to talk about the devil. I don't want to talk about the devil. Listen, the Bible talks about the devil. Some people think that if we don't talk about it, it just goes away. It's kind of, when, when Bennett, my oldest son is 30 years old now. He's a mountain of a man. He's huge. But when he, when he was a little boy, in, we had him in a car seat. And there was this morning where he did something. I can't remember what he did, but I was getting after him. And he's in his car seat. He may, maybe he said something he shouldn't have, or he, he did something, and I was going to correct him. And so I, I used to be pretty gruff with him, and I would turn around, and I was like, Bennett! And, and when I turned around, he had heard my voice, and he was sitting in his car seat, and he had his eyes closed. And in his mind, if he closed his eyes, I wasn't there, Right? So if he closed his eyes and I'm not there, he's not really in trouble. And that's what, he's just like, I'm just going to wait till this goes away and I won't be in trouble anymore. That's kind of how we look at the devil. We just think, well, if I ignore him, he's just going to go away. No, he does not go away. And not talking about it doesn't make it any easier. This is what the Bible says. The devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Which means he hides in the blind. He's crouching and he's watching you and he's waiting for the moment when he can pounce and do something to you. And you're like, Brett, I don't like this. I don't want to, talk. I don't want to hear this. I, I don't like that kind of teaching. It doesn't matter whether you like it. It's not going to go away. You have an enemy of your soul. So don't be naive. Fight. Fight. God, I'm asking you for a lot. I'm asking you for more. Not for me, for the kingdom. If you'll give me more than I currently have, God, I will use it and I will be a blessing for you. God, give me blessing, give me influence, give me presence, give me protection. Now to wrap up this morning, I, I just, I would almost invite you to just close your eyes, but I, I think it'd be good if you watch the screens because I'm going to put all this on the screen for you. But I want to read some scripture to you, okay? Just to fire you up. If this don't fire you up, if this don't light you up, your wood's wet, okay? Just, just, that's no good place to be. Some of my favorite verses out of Romans. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praying works best not when you're saying, God, give me, give me, give me, but when you're saying, God, 
Give me your blessing so that I can focus it on somebody else, so that I can have influence, so that I can have your presence. And God, if I have all that, I'm going to need your protection because I want to be a warrior for you. I want to be a warrior. And not, I'm not talking about warring against somebody else. I'm talking about being a spiritual warrior where you wake up every day and you say, I am putting on the armor of God so that I can go do what God wants me to do. I'll end with this. Prayer isn't about moving God in our direction. Prayer is about us moving toward God. That's what it's about. God hadn't moved. God is right there. Okay? Let me just bow your heads. I'm going to say a prayer blessing over you, and then Shelby's going to come out. Father, help us to not be selfish. We don't want to be selfish. But Lord, my prayer this week has been that these people would understand that you've got something big for them to step into and as they step into that big thing, whatever it is, there's something you're calling them to and when they step into that and they have your purpose for their life, they are instantly going to be happier and more fulfilled. I know that. And so Father, I'm praying that they are connecting with that thought this morning. Father, we, I pray blessing on these people. Not so that they may be blessed, but so that they may have influence with other people as they bless other people. And Father, that happens as your presence comes on them. And I pray that they would feel your presence this week as they move about. That they would know that you are with them and you make them bigger and badder and better than they would be on their own. But Father, when all that happens, we will face opposition. It doesn't just happen automatically. Give us faith, Father. Help us to be strong. Give us a will. Go before us. Knock down the obstacles. Help us, Father, to be fearless. Pray these things in Jesus' name.